Welcome to the Exhibit C Podcast, where two guys give their primitive and extremely biased opinions on the state of the National League East Division. Welcome back in, guys. Another week is down and another week we have absolutely no idea about what is actually going on in the NL East, what to make of these standings right now, what to make of these games. Christian, let's start with Philadelphia. What's going on over there? Well, it's been a pretty wild week in Philadelphia, even since the last episode. Uh, went to Colorado for a series and it just wasn't – it was not pretty. Uh, the Bryce Harper train kind of slowed down a bit at the first game, and the Reese Hoskins train started to go absolutely crazy, and he's hitting home runs like he's Fernando Tatis last week, <laughs> except he isn't very fancy, so nobody talks about it. But Reese Hoskins is now the MLB leader in home runs, which is kind of hard to believe. Uh, it feels like we fell asleep and woke up in August of 2017 or whenever it was that he came up, but – it's beautiful to see him swinging the bat. Really the thing I want to talk about with the Phillies, and we can get more into the Phillies series and break it down more in detail, um, because it, it was up and down, a lot of good, a lot of bad, and even this uh, first game in the Cardinals series. But what I what I want to talk about first and just get it out of the way, because uh, it's the 500 million pound elephant in the room is the return of Odubel Herrera oh boy. to the starting lineup, not only to the, the 40 man roster, but to the starting lineup. And it's, uh, it's, I, I think it's a terrible move by the Phillies organization. I think um, it's a terrible look for the Phillies organization. I don't think he necessarily presents an upgrade even on the field. So I don't know. That's where I stand on it. Um, I, I figured we'd get that that out of the way and hopefully not have to talk about him too much more. Um, hopefully he doesn't stay in the starting line. I, I mean, I really don't know what to think about it. There's, But, yeah, so moving on, moving on from that, unless there's anything you want to say about it. No, I think he, uh, he should get the Ray Rice treatment and just not be allowed back in the MLB. But, you know, Trying to get some wins out here. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, and, and and that really shows the state of the Philadelphia Phillies center field position, which we thought maybe Mickey Moniak would be able to bring a spark. Um, and he had some moments, especially in the outfield, where you're like, okay, he's got a bit of talent. Um, he's a lot – he can hit the ball harder than you would, might expect, but he, he'll swing at everything, and it's kind of – I think he's a, he represents an upgrade from Roman Quinn, but he doesn't look like an everyday center fielder right now. And that really – we saw that in the Rockies series. Um, none of that momentum from his first career home run carried into the series. And it, it just wasn't he, – he's, he's still batting like 100. So he's back down in the minor leagues along with Spencer Howard. Uh, went down with him. I believe they're, they're doing that to stretch out Spencer Howard's arm. So maybe he might be able to come up and be a starter at some point this year, because that is sorely needed. But yeah, you, you think, you know, going to Colorado, you might be able to put up some runs, might be able to get the offense going against some not great pitching, and it just didn't happen. It did not happen this weekend. But Philadelphia Phillies, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't even, I, I don't know what to say. Um, it, they're 11-11 right now, which it kind of feels like every team in the NL East right now is, is they're Nobody's winning games. Nobody's really losing games. So I don't know. I don't know. There's 
there's the there's the Phillies for you though. Um, yeah, I kind of want to point out for Philadelphia a um, little bit. So the hot start to the season, sweeping the Braves, taking two out of three from the Mets. Uh, then they some would argue that Bohm still hasn't touched on plays, and they could have gotten or should have been swept by the Braves following that Mets series that they won, and then they get swept by the Mets. Uh, then they win a series against the Cardinals. And then since that series won against the Cardinals, they've dropped two or three from San Francisco, and then they dropped two or three in Colorado, and now they're back playing the Cardinals. They won yesterday. We'll see what happens tonight. So, yeah, definitely a little cold spell for the Philadelphia Phillies to close out the month of April. Uh, But as you said, everyone else is cold too. Yeah, it's something a little disconcerting about that cold spell is we talked a a lot in the early part of the season about the majority of that, the credit for the that hot start to the season going to the bullpen and deservedly so they were awesome. But in that Giants and Rocky series where you went two and four against a lot of them, the home it was a home series against the Giants, so you'd like to win that. There were a lot of blown leads from the bullpen, and I know it wasn't really the horses that um, the Phillies have will be relying on in the important games this season. But I mean, every game every game is important, and and even though there are 162 games, you don't want to blow leads, and you don't want to throw out. David Hale and he, he just he's hasn't been good. You don't and you need you need these relievers, especially especially those long relievers like the David Hales of the world and the Spencer Howards of the world, who's no longer a reliever apparently. You need those guys because the biggest hole in this Phillies roster, and I think you could argue, I think you'd probably be right if you were to argue that it's a bigger hole than center field, is the back end of the rotation. It's just playing awful. They are averaging between Chase Anderson, Matt Moore, and Vince Velasquez. They're averaging less than four innings pitched per game. Oof. That, that's not going to cut it. That is not going to cut it. Um, some of them have, they've been given up what, like two runs in four innings. So that's not a terrible pace in terms of ERA, but four, four innings is simply not going to get it done. Matt Moore got COVID. So he, his last start and his start tonight or tomorrow, I believe, uh, the day we're recording this, which is Tuesday, April 27th. That'll go to Vince Velasquez as well. So three guys there that are fighting for two spots and they all are hard to watch. They're really hard to watch pitch. They give up a lot of hard contact and they have a lot of trouble locating pitches. So that the Phillies are in – they have a lot of holes at a lot of places where you do not want holes if you're going to make a run in the postseason. Yeah, but then again, I think everyone is looking at their team, looking at all the holes, especially in the NL East right now. Everyone has holes. And your boy, Reese Hoskins, like you said, is just absolutely tearing the ball up, and it has to be encouraging to have at least one guy in your team tearing the ball off the cover. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know what's crazy about Reese? Let's His OBP is under 300 right now on the season. It is you talk about a complete 180 from the time, from the reign of Gabriel Kapler over there in Philadelphia when <laughs> Reese was working counts, getting on base like 40% of the time. Now he's getting on base less than 30% of the time, but he has seven uh, eight bombs like you said leading the MLB. Uh, it's pretty it's it's, a, it's pretty crazy just to kind of see that. Yeah, and with Reese, I think the walks will start to come. He's still seeing a lot of pitches, but the main difference this season from the past couple seasons since he uh, got that 
call up and went on an absolute tear in the end of his first season. But uh, I think the big difference with Reese this year is that when he gets a pitch to hit, he's not missing it. He's not sitting on it. He's not waiting for it to leave the strike zone. He's just swinging and he's making really good contact and the balls are going really far for him, which you love to see. I would much rather have him be hitting, be hitting with the approach that he is right now and have 31 strikeouts in, in 22 games, which isn't good. But I'd much rather have that than the Reese Hoskins that we have seen, especially with the, the type of talent that you have at the top of this lineup, minus Andrew McCutcheon, who exactly. is his – yeah. But, I mean, Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, they're three of the best hitters in the division – uh, Bryce Harper right now looks like one of the best hitters in baseball, which is what he's getting paid to be. It's very refreshing to see. Um, the the Phillies kind of spoiled the the Bryce Harper game, as I believe it would have come to be called uh, in that last game in Colorado, because Bryce Harper was absolutely at the first three innings. I don't think you could accomplish more as a baseball player in three innings than he did with two home runs and a 91 mile per hour strike to. JT Ramuto to get a runner at home. So there's a lot of exciting things uh, to love in Philadelphia right now. Nola looks good. Wheeler had a fantastic start last night. Eflin um, pitching very well. And then having those guys in the lineup produce, but it's, it's just not enough from enough places. And yeah, I think that's really, that's been the, the story of the NL East this year. I don't think there's any team like you mentioned that can look at the roster and say, I'm comfortable with this roster uh, for the whole season for a playoff run. And and you brought up JT Romuto. He's now moved into the top 10 in the MLB in war on the season. So he's kind of, of course, having a strong season uh, touted as the best catcher in baseball. But, okay, so you guys beat the Cardinals yesterday. Uh, you, you seem to have their number so far, four and two against them on the season. Uh, the next three days, what's it looking like? What is it? I know Eflin's on the on the bump at some point. Uh, what's your what's your thoughts about the rest of this series? Yeah, I, I think it should be some favorable pitching matchups. Um, do not need to see two of those uh, back end guys, which we have had, um, especially in that Rocky series, is particularly tough to watch. But it'll be Eflin versus Carlos Martinez tonight, um, and uh, Martinez is the guy that gave up about about six runs in um, in the second inning, I believe, in the last uh, series against the Cardinals and, and almost gave up two home runs to Bryce if it weren't for the win. So he's a guy that the Phillies can hit. Uh, he's a guy that the Phillies have hit this season. And uh, hopefully it's a lot of the same, and it's a lot of the same of what we've seen from Zach Eflin, who's been very good, arguably the best pitcher for the Phillies, or at least most consistent. I don't think you can argue anyone else for that um, at, in this young season. And then uh, second game will be another Vince Velasquez start uh, versus Johan Oviedo, who I, I know nothing about. I'm not going to lie. Uh, we didn't see him last time around um, with the uh, Cardinals, but he's a young guy. So, yeah, I mean, you never know. Yeah, I'm not going to take anything for granted with this Phillies lineup, especially with Vince Velasquez on the bump. Um, hopefully, hopefully they can keep, they can hit. I, I don't know. Hopefully Reese Hoskins and JT and, and Bryce Harper all get hot in the same game because although they have been hot over the same stretch of time, I don't think it's really clicked all at once. Um, and that would be beautiful to see. So it's going to need to happen in that game, that's for sure. And then the, the last game will be Nola versus Kwon Hyung Kim, 
who did pitch against the Phillies last time out. Um, I don't remember him being anything spectacular, but again, the Phillies lineup has not been anything spectacular this year, top to bottom. So uh, hopefully, hey, I mean, four games against the uh, Cardinals, you already got one. Uh, it's in St. Louis, but uh, it would be big, a lot great to have some momentum going into a, a home series against the Mets. I hear you, and I think talking about the coldness of an offense right now, it's a natural transition to talk about my Atlanta Braves, and my goodness, have they been struggling at the plate. And you won a game Friday, and that's fine. Ronald Acuna is coming off his injury, and he hasn't had a hit since then, so he's getting on base still 33% of the time without getting a hit in the last four games, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, but, it's awesome for his, just from like a development standpoint to see him do that as a player. Um, but yeah, continue. Yeah, no. And then we, so the Braves played Diamondbacks this past week and they took the first game. Um, hi, Oscar, you Noah. Gosh, man, it's just so much excitement for that rookie um, in some corners of the Atlanta Braves fandom. And I've been on his hype train since day one, and I hope he continues. He had a couple of hits, and he just throws easy gas. And I know I've said it a million times in this podcast, but it just does not make any type of sense to see him throw a baseball that fast in the motion that he does. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Uh, so the Braves won the first game, which was great. And then Sunday, maybe one of the worst offensive days in the history of major league baseball. I'm not even being dramatic. It was a double header, 14 innings. The Braves mustered one hit just one hit. They got no hit in the second game, and that's against Madison Bumgarner, who is a shell of himself, and the Braves let him just absolutely do whatever he wanted. Uh, they hit a lot of balls hard right at people, but that's no excuse. They, it, it was a laughable, a very laughable performance by guys that makes millions of dollars uh, this past Sunday, and they corrected itself. They won last night 8-7 to seven, uh, against the Cubs. Um, but there's a whole lot wrong, just like with Philadelphia, except Philadelphia has guys that are hot. The Braves do not. And Philadelphia has a couple of good, really, really talented starting pitchers that are performing. The Braves do not. Uh, And I think, you know, I was talking to my granddad about this the other day. Uh, The Braves last year, were able to mask their deficiency in the offensive and the pitching rotation because they scored eight, nine runs a game, right? You can win nine to six and this, you're still winning ball games, but when you're scoring three runs a game and still giving up six runs a game, you, you're going to lose more than you win. And that's what is happening right now for the Atlanta Braves. Just too many question marks in the starting rotations, too many injuries in the bullpen. Lineup is as cold as Siberia. It is not looking good in Atlanta, but maybe they'll you know turn the ship around but it's a, it's been a tough start for a team that had a lot of expectations coming into the season and and that's my rant you can throw in your two bits if you want about the the bravos yeah i think you definitely said it and that uh that day against the diamondbacks is not one that any braves fan will ever want to remember because that was about as pitiful of a hitting performance like you mentioned as you can possibly have but yeah the braves uh, we, I think we talked about Austin Riley last time. Uh, that might be the one of the bright spots uh, besides the bench and Guillermo Heredia, who's still raking somehow. Oh, good for uh, – yeah, Guillermo's been great. I do like Guillermo. Yeah, but just 
none of the guys that you need to hit, especially Albies and um, Ozuna, you'd like to see Dansby hit a little better, but you really need Ozzy Albies and Marcelo Ozuna to perform offensively. And it just has not happened this year. It hasn't started to click. Uh, even the whole Freddie Freeman experience has has been really, really up and down and really inconsistent. And that's showing in the stats right now. So yeah, the Braves, I think, Definitely, definitely on the back foot with those injuries have played a huge role in this season, way more of a role than any team should have to deal with this early in the season. Um, but yeah, the, the, the good news for the Atlanta Braves is that they are 10 and 12 and third place in the NL East because that is just how it is right now. That's great. That's great to hear, honestly. And and again, talking about Guillermo Heredia, he's only has 36 plate appearances on the season, but he's second on the team in war above Freddie Freeman. So uh, the guy has been um, pretty solid in the field. He's been a revelation at the plate. There's no way uh, I think he's going to keep that up, even though his BAPIB suggests that it's not luck. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, and again, 10 and 12 and, and just like a and maybe I think it's a game and a half back out of first place. Uh, and then and the Nationals are in the same boat. Um, and I they got the the Chicago Cubs this week. And I think they should be able to take this. It's a, it's a four game set. Ian Anderson, who looked really good against New York last time out, takes the bump tonight against Trevor Williams. Um I think the Braves should be able to take three or four in this series, but I'd be happy with a 2-2 split if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, so we'll see. Um, and when we meet back here Thursday night after, you know, everyone plays, well, what we can reassess where the Braves are. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about, you know, our teams aren't doing as good as they, we would like them to. But you know what team is I, I think should be loving life just as much as any other team in the MLB right now? The Miami Marlins. The Miami Marlins, man. What? Yeah, I know Jazz Chisholm has kind of fell off a little bit in terms of the league leaders in war, but uh, what are your thoughts over there on the Marlins? Yeah, I think it, it hasn't been they, – they ran into a bit of a tough matchup um, the, the second time around with the, with the Giants. Um, I, I think that that series has kind of tilted into the Giants' favor, who are playing great baseball. I mean, props to them. They're starting to actually score some runs. But, yeah, th- this Marlins team, 10 and 12, third in the division, same spot as the Braves, but I'm definitely feeling a lot happier as a fan base about their prospects for this year because it's just been – the consistent, I think they've been the one consistent team ever since that really, they had a really bad start. But since then, they've been, they've been playing good baseball. And, and I don't think there's anything to say about them that we haven't already said. Um, probably we need to start looking at Trevor Rogers a little more about the dude that's like, you know, maybe Sandy Alcantara and, and uh, Pablo Lopez and Sixto Sanchez are the, are the young studs that everybody's looking forward to. But Trevor Rogers. Five starts, 1.29 ERA, 28 innings pitched in that stretch. The dude is absolutely killing it, and he's younger than Sandy and Pablo. I don't think he's younger than Sixto, but he is a 23-year-old and absolutely killing it right now, Uh, team leader in war. So the Miami Marlins have to feel very good about the position they're in right now, especially – um, if any team has benefited from the rest of the league struggling, it's been them because the Miami Marlins, they're just going to stick around. They're going to stick around. If you give this team a chance like we saw last year, they will take 
full advantage of it. And I wouldn't want to play them. I would not want to play them in a, in a five-game series, especially with the pitching that they have. I, I wouldn't want to play them in a three-game series at any point this year right now. And I think Trevor Rogers, as you said, right now he's the best pitcher on that team, and it's not necessarily close in any of the categories. Um, he's doing – no one – thought Trevor Rogers was going to be the, the ace of this, this club coming into the season uh, with Alcantara and Pablo Lopez and Sixto has been hurt. So we can't uh, say much for him, but you know, the player that I've really just liked in his age 32 season is Starling Marte. Uh, I've liked him for the last, you know, five, six years he's been in the league, but he is absolutely blossoming right now for, for this Marlin squad. And it was a shame that he hurt his finger um, against the Cubs last year in the, that uh, wild card series, and he wasn't able to play against the Braves. But uh, he's he's tied for the team lead in war, and he's uh, he's back, his WRC plus is one fifty six, and again one hundred is the league at like is is like the replacement level, and he's at one fifty six. And uh, Jazz Chisholm has kind of cooled off a bit, but as he's cooled off, Starling Marte has heated up. And yeah, nobody wants to see the Marlins in the series right now in the NOE, that's for sure. Yeah, and speaking of 32-year-olds that are having a little bit of a renaissance with the Marlins, and uh, Miguel Rojas falls into the 32-year-old category. We, we know what to expect with Miguel Rojas. He's a really good, really good baseball player. But Corey Dickerson, let's talk about Corey Dickerson because uh, he he's killing it right now. The dude is batting 324. Um, <laughs> 129 OPS plus, um, which is kind of like it, it usually falls in line with that WRC plus, if not being exactly the same. And uh, yeah, Corey Dickerson's doing pretty much everything that the Mets want Jeff McNeil to be doing right now. And he's doing it a whole lot better than Jeff McNeil. So props to Corey Dickerson. He is on an absolute tear. And that is huge for the Marlins lineup because that's a, that's a dude on base over a third of the time. Yeah, and all that, you know, all the hype about Jeff McNeil uh, being such a, a cog in that Mets lineup. Yeah, this the this is the best case scenario right now for the Marlins. They, it, everyone was like, where the, where's the offense going to come from? Like, there's nobody that's going to produce offensively. Well, they got a lot of guys producing offensively. Um, and, you know, Jazz Chisholm is a, res- uh, is a revelation, obviously. Um, but yeah, they're doing just fine down there in Miami. And that, you know, if they can make a run here and just stay in that um just a couple of games back of first place, yeah, watch out in May. One hundred percent. And Jeff McNeil's a pretty good segue to the New York Mets who they're leading the division right now. I think they're tied uh with the Phillies or or they are in first place because they have a winning record. Um so nine and eight tops of the division. New York Mets, and it's, again, it's weird to say that that all these teams have been struggling so much, and yet there's still – it's still been the same talking points pretty much every time we've been on. And what's it again with the Mets? It is not a whole lot of offense, and Jacob deGrom just being not only the best pitcher in baseball, but the best player in baseball – one of the best players of all time. Nobody's ever done this. Nobody's ever done what Jacob DeGrom is doing. Um, I, I asked one of my friends, I asked you, I believe, Charlie, I, if if you would take prime DeGrom or prime Kershaw. And I thought it was prime Kershaw. And I said that right before his most recent start, which was a nine-inning one-hitter with 15 strikeouts. Or it might have been a two-hitter. It doesn't matter. Absolutely not. The dude is by far – 
the most dominant player in baseball, and he's just getting better. He's getting better. He's throwing the ball faster, and he is he's scary. He's really scary. I don't know how he has a loss. I don't know how Jazz Chisholm hit a home run off of him. I, he, I don't understand how he is doing what he's doing right now, but that is the Mets. That Jacob DeGrom is the Mets right now. He is their team. You know, I think there's a conversation about a lefty in the Dodgers organization in the past named Sandy Koufax that I might have the argument I'd take prime Koufax over DeGrom. But I'm not even sure about that right now. Jacob DeGrom is on another level. Um, and you know what? His WRC plus at the plate batting right now is 232 as a pitcher. He's batting 545, which is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, just to throw that on top of the cake, uh, he is, as you said, best player in baseball. It's not even close. Um, I think, I mean, best pitcher in baseball. I think you could talk about him and Trout being the best player, but it's so hard to compare pitchers and field players. So let's, and I don't even want to get into that conversation, but the Mets right now, outside of Jacob deGrom um, and Brandon Nemo, batting still batting hot at 370 there's just not much else it's just like every other team in the division I mean the Marlins you have some excitement but you look at this Mets team there's no excitement right now there's nothing outside of Jacob DeGrom that excites you Uh, I I, I guarantee you if you go around talking to Mets fans they're not gonna they're gonna be very lukewarm about how this team is playing right now Francisco Lindor who just signed that massive contract is batting 210 Uh, Jeffrey singles out there isn't hitting a lot of singles it's just it's just they're nine and eight first in the conference but again it's very early on no one's going to give you a trophy for being first in the conference on april 27th um that's just how it is and i don't i don't have any confidence right now in this mets team and again but with that being said i have no confidence with any team in the freaking division yeah and i think we we talked a lot about the mets last season and how their stats just didn't make sense how they could have so much individual success and just be so like not even be in the top 10 in runs with, with one of the lineups that you could make the case last year was one of the better ones in baseball. Um, Definitely behind the Braves and Dodgers, but you could probably make a case for them just to hang with any other one. And it's, it's been, it hasn't been quite the same this year because you haven't had quite the individual performances um, with the exception of Nimmo and, uh, uh, and Pete Alonso who have both played very well. Uh, but this Mets team, and I found this out today, this is according to fan graphs, they are sixth in uh, team batting average in the MLB, and they are um, fourth in team on base percentage in the MLB, and they are last in the MLB in runs. And I know they've played a few less games than everybody because of that whole COVID situation with the Nationals, but Nationals have more runs than the Mets. And I think what it really boils down to with this Mets lineup that we didn't really take into account last year is that there's not a single clutch hitter on this team. There's not a single player on the Mets that you would probably want to be at the plate with runners in scoring position. And I, I do not have the – the runners in scoring position stats in front of me right now. But if I'm sure if I did, it would, they would all be last because to have that many guys on base and to not produce at all from an offensive standpoint. And this has been a problem, not just this year, but last year. So I think that that's something to be concerned about as a, as a, if as a Mets fan. Yeah, and and you pointed out at the start of the season, you said that – you remember the stats that you said that, you know, the Mets last year were top three in the league in um, batting average. I don't know about on-base percentage, but they were like 15th in run scored. So that that's a trend that happened last year to where it was kind of like, well, let's see if it corrects itself this year, but it hasn't yet. And to your point, it's gotten worse. I know they – as you said, they played a couple of less games, but 
it's going to be interesting to keep tabs on that as the season goes. I think another thing when you look at this lineup, why they don't score as many runs as maybe they should, there's just not a lot of speed in this lineup. Lindor is fast. Nemo is somewhat fast. Then Pete Alonso is slower than my grandmother, J.D. Davis, same way. Um, and then you got uh, Dom Smith, who is very slow as well. Jeffrey McNeil, I don't think is fast. Um, Conforto is mediocre speed. Um and so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Jacob DeGrom runs a 4-4 because he is like prime peak athlete. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't think there's a lot of speed uh, in this lineup, but, yeah. Yeah, and then and with the Mets again, uh, like I said, there's a – the talking points kind of remain the same. We already talked about Jacob DeGrom, but the pitching staff, and, and they do not have their, – their top end is, yes, it's better than the Phillies. It has been much better than the Phillies to start this season. But the back end really just looks like the – I mean, it's not much – like that's – it's kind of the same problem. And, yeah, you have Stroman who has pitched awesome this year, minus that one start against the Nationals. And you have Taiwan Walker who's doing things that I don't think anybody expected him to be doing <laughs> in this early part of the season. But David Peterson and Joey Lucchese aren't getting the job done. And, yeah, you're not going to win a whole lot of games with two pitchers that you can't rely on. And I don't think, I think as a Phillies fan, I would trade Nola and Wheeler for five pitchers that I, uh, that I could trust. I don't think any Mets fan would be willing to trade Jacob DeGrom for 10 pitchers they could trust, but it's something that you're, they're going to need to figure out. Uh, they do have the guys coming back from injury, which is very important to state uh, Carrasco and Syndergaard. I don't know how much you could really rely on Syndergaard though. I, I really don't know. He's hasn't played baseball in a while. And uh, Carrasco, I think you can kind of expect him to slot in um, in front of Taiwan Walker. I don't know if you expect him to be pitched in the way Taiwan Walker is pitching right now. But, yeah, it, and injuries are another they're, – they're a problem for the Mets rotation. Uh, but, yeah, if they can get healthy, that, that, that will be scary. And I know we've said it. I know we've said it a lot of times. But I think that that's really all there is to say about the Mets right now. Yeah, I think that's a natural transition when you talk about Taiwan Walker performing way better than he should because our guy Joe Ross uh, at one point was performing out of his mind, but I think his ERA is now about 4.5, it's 4.64, and it's a natural segue over there to our boys in the nation's capital. Um, and I think that it all starts – I mean, the, the main talking point about the National in the past week is Juan Soto's injury because if Juan Soto isn't in this lineup – they are just not good. Nope. Yeah. And, and it's uh, it's even compounded by Trey Turner. He's kind of cooled off after a really hot start. So, yeah, it's it's looking really, really rough. <laughs> if you look, if you go on baseball reference or fan graphs or wherever your favorite place to look at your team stats are, there aren't a lot of, there aren't a lot of pretty numbers in this Nationals lineup right now. And, it's showing on the field. I Like I mentioned, they have more runs on this season than the Mets somehow. I have no idea how that is the case. I would expect the Mets to have more. But the Mets are last. The Nationals are 29th. And, yeah, Juan Soto being out, you mentioned it. And what are the Nationals without Juan Soto right now? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Juan Soto, we, again, I don't want to say that – we hit it right on the nose, but the only two players that the national have in their lineups that are 
above. I mean, they're really good players, but are good at all is Trey Turner and Juan Sano. Everybody else is mediocre at best um, in the Nationals lineup. So, I and the crazy thing is they're only two games back of first place right now. Yeah, that is that is our division for you right now, and it is. Yeah, it's just and and with the Nationals, it, it goes even beyond. It goes beyond the lineup. Um, the rotation just hasn't done anything outside of Scherzer and Joe Ross for two starts. Corbin is he's he's in uh, Max Free territory right now. Yeah, Fetty has has never been very good, and Strasburg's injured again. So, whew, I, I really do feel bad for uh, Nationals fans with this with all the money that's in that rotation right now that's being given to people that aren't performing or people that can't perform due to injury. Um, Scherzer's pitching very well, but outside of, outside of Scherzer, it's, it's not, it's, there aren't, there isn't really anybody, um, that that's, that's doing anything that makes you feel good about the Nationals team. And the two big additions in the lineup were Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber and they, Schwarber has negative 0.5 war and Josh Bell has negative 0.3 war, both batting below 200, Josh Bell batting 119. Um, so you, you want to hear a hot take that probably isn't that hot? Give me a hot take. Ryan Zimmerman, Ryan Zimmerman, speaking of hot, Ryan Zimmerman came out of the gates absolutely scalding hot, looking awesome for a 36-year-old. And ever since Josh Bell came back from COVID, he's he's Josh Bell's played in 12 games since he uh, since he's been back. Uh, so he's almost caught Zimmerman in games played. And ever since then, Zimmerman has has slowly regressed in his playing since he's I been like in the lineup. Take. And 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 Josh Bell has been absolutely awful, and they're still giving him starts. Free my so, man, Ryan Zimmerman. Josh Bell has now overtook, overtaken, however, whatever word you're supposed to use there. Ryan Zimmerman in plate appearances, and he's he's now 13 ahead in plate appearances, and that that's really killed the momentum of Ryan Zimmerman, which was really the only momentum you had as a Nationals team without Juan Soto in the lineup. So, questionable questionable decision there um, from uh, Dave Martinez, and yeah, I, I just think that that can't be really understated how how much of a error that was to not ride the hot hand, especially with a guy coming off of COVID and coming off 60 games of bad baseball plus the last half of his 2019 season. That's Josh Bell. So, yeah, I think that'll be something to watch. And with anybody over 20 plate appearances, Zimmerman is third on the team with a 294 batting average. So it's not – they just need, I don't yeah I don't understand why they are giving bats to Josh Bell and especially when Zimmerman was swinging the hot bat and I really like the correlation that you made that ever since Bell's been getting at bats for Zimmerman has really cooled off and again they're just two games out of first place and I I think it's a good time for us to preview I know we previewed this week uh, for the Braves and Phillies uh, I think it's good time for us to do the Mets Nationals and Marlins uh, for the for this week. Um, I know uh, which what int- which series intrigues you the most: the Nationals and Blue Jays, the Mets and Red Sox, or the oh. Well, the Nationals actually have a have an interesting one. I don't know if this. Yeah, the the Nationals will be getting on to a series with the Marlins before we record our next episode. So I think I, I'd like to talk about that one. That one's probably going to be interesting. 
because you don't know who the stars are going to be for those games. The Nationals do have two games against the uh, Blue Jays um, today and tomorrow. Max Scherzer will be starting tonight, so you probably you'd like to think you could chalk that one up in the win column. And then it'll be Eric Fetty versus Steven Matz, who is an NL East alum. Um, and then, yeah. We, we know Pablo Lopez will be pitching that first game in the national series. And we do not know who will be pitching for any other team at any other point in that entire series. But I think it's going to be an interesting one to look at. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on that series? Kind of knocks out two birds with one stone. Yeah. Uh, on the, the blue Jays. Um, I didn't realize that the blue Jays were playing in Florida. I thought they were playing in Buffalo uh, first of all. Um, but yeah, with the Marlins series, I think it's, I'm excited about the Marlins national series because it's going to give me a solid measuring stick to if the Marlins, I mean, the Marlins dominated the Braves. So it's not like I need any more of a measuring stick than what I already have to say the Marlins are, it's not like they're legit, like they're, they are a powerhouse, but they're not the worst team in the conference, right? They're not the floor of the conference. So it's going to give me a solid measuring stick to where the Marlins are against the rest of the East, uh, which is the most exciting thing for me. Uh, I mean, I, I just get a, a little giddy about the Marlins and that this is coming from a Braves fan. So yeah, I'm excited to see the Marlins play the, the Nets. Yeah, I think that that's probably the one out of these series this week that stands out most to me. I'm not sure. Um, do we know, is there any news on Juan Soto, if he's going to be back maybe in the lineup for that game? No, for, I was checking the, Twitter to see if I said anything. It's a little really hush-hush about that injury. So I don't I don't think we'll, we might see him back for the weekend series and we'll do a podcast before then. So I, I, we'll have an update then. But, yeah, it didn't. It didn't. I didn't see anything about him coming back today. Oh, I, but I will say the Mets Red Sox series. I mean, Red Sox are fourteen and nine. Mets are nine and eight. <laughs> but the pitching matchup uh, today leaves a lot to be desired. It's Garrett Richards and David Peterson. Uh, both pitchers have ERA <laughs> north of six point five. So uh, hopefully the Mets and we'll see. There could be some fireworks there. I know the Mets fan would, would love to see a lot of runs at City Field tonight. Yeah, and the weather should be favorable for that uh, for those types of conditions, um, I would imagine. And then, yeah, and then you mentioned pitching matchups. The next pitching matchup is one that uh, intrigues me, and maybe not so much as in the fact that it's a matchup, because it isn't a matchup, because Jacob deGrom's pitching, and if he was pitching against Trevor Bauer or uh, Corbin Burns or any hot name in the MLB right now, you wouldn't call it a matchup because he'd win. He, he would just win, and if the Mets could score a run, then they would win the game. But uh, – Nick Pavetta will be taking the hill for the Boston Red Sox. And Oof. and I'm, I'm going to watch it. I have not watched Nick Pavetta pitch since he has been gone from Philadelphia. But from all all signs, it, he's pitched very well. I know he's, he's leading the MLB in, in walks uh, so far this season. But his ERA is still below three and a half. Uh, his FIP isn't too far off of it. So the dude's pitching well. He pitched very well with the Red Sox in the – a couple starts last year so I, I would like to I would like to see him do well I do not wish ill of any former Philly or not I mean I shouldn't say that but <laughs> um, I, I, I would like to see Pavetta do well I think he really needed a change of scenery um, and yeah it's it's going to be interesting to watch I, I think he might he might shine against this Mets lineup and I hope for him that he does I, I really do <laughs> I, for his sake and, and my sake and your sake and anybody that doesn't want the Mets to win the division. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's let's go, uh, Nick Pavetta. 
And I I do, before I move on any further, I want to point out the Marlins, too. Yesterday, uh, blank the Brewers, beat them 8-0, Trevor Rodgers again. And the, and the Brewers are a good team, leading the Central right now. Uh, and, and not only did they blank the Brewers, but they were the first team this season that made Corbin Burns look like a human. So look at the Marlins right now here. Jazz Chisholm has, has a home run on the only run that DeGrom has given up in this entire season. That, that's impressive in and of itself. And then they, they put up, I think, five or six runs in, in like five innings against Corbin Burns, who's been one of the best pitchers in baseball, probably arguably the second best pitcher in baseball to start the season. So my go Marlins, man, they're, they're, they're good. They're I'm telling good you, they're, they're an exciting club to, I mean, just to root for, uh, and so I, I, I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I wanted to point that, like, just to bring up. Yeah, that. I think that that's a good point because I regretted not that we didn't mention that. I'm glad we got back around to it because I don't think, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how many people are going to be sleeping on the Marlins. I don't know how long people will be sleeping on the Marlins, but it, it'd be it it would be wise to stop, I think. Yeah, and I'm going to check in on that game tonight uh, against the Brew Crew. Um just just to see what the Marlins are doing because it's just they're pesky, man. If they if they again they stick around long enough, they're just going to get. And they already have all the confidence in the world in that lineup. Um, you know those guys are kind of just like us, us against the world, and it was people were just like, oh, the Mar like they they forgot the Marlins made the playoffs, and if they talk about the Marlins making the playoffs and winning a a series last year, they're like, oh, it's a COVID season. I mean, this team just gets shat on constantly, and uh, yeah, it just kind of. Like the underdog. I mean, I just really like the underdog. Just not when they're playing against the Braves, but anybody else, they can go, go, go get a Marlins. Yeah, I think it's awesome. It's awesome for the sport, especially if Jazz Chisholm. He's kind of like the mold of of what you would want a young star in the MLB to be right now. He's just so fun to watch. He's got the blue hair. Uh, he's he hits the ball very hard. He runs fast and he celebrates and he's fun to watch. I love me, me some Jazz Chisholm. I love his energy and I love the energy of this Marlins team because they they had a whole season. I know it was a short season of, of teams t- of people telling them what they could not do, and they did regardless and they're just they're doing it again i mean why why shouldn't they why shouldn't they go marlins go marlins um i think that's that's enough about the this week's schedule uh let's uh let's do a power ranking right now let's do uh, our weekly power rankings uh I'll, I'll you went first last week so i'll go first this week and i'm gonna give it to the freaking miami marlins i don't give a dang about the records right now uh the marlins are just uh, the only exciting team in the conference, in my opinion, I'll give them number one, Mets number two, Phillies number three, Braves number four, and Nationals number five. Okay, I think uh, I think mine's probably the same. I'll add a little bit to the Marlins, and you might you might say that the Marlins have cooled down. Over here, let's let's just backtrack. You look at the record; they're ten and twelve. It's not that it's not that fantastic. But then you look deeper into it, and you realize that they started the season one and six. So that is a uh, that's nine and here I forgive my my slow math that's nine and six I believe in their last fifteen games and then you count you you add the fact that they've been playing some of the best teams in baseball in this stretch uh, being those being the uh, San Francisco Giants twice and the Milwaukee Brewers now who are who are one of the better teams they're playing very good baseball right now. And even the freaking Orioles were playing good baseball when the Marlins played them. So I don't want to hear anything about the Marlins team and their 10 and 12 record and people 
people talking crap on that because the Marlins have the most impressive record so far out of any team in this division. I, and I really don't think it's close, but yeah, I, I think my, my rankings are exactly the same as yours. I think I had the Phillies second last week and that was just wishful thinking. Um, the Mets, the Mets are just, they're, they're better than the Phillies right now. And it's really, they're, they're very similar to the Phillies um, except the pitching that the top end of that pitching is just, so freaking good with the ground. And I think I would take, I, you know, and I might be biased. I'd take any of the, the Phillies top three guys over Stroman. Um, I think he got a little lucky and I think his, his game relies a lot on the fielding, which the Mets aren't going to have this year. Um, and Taiwan Walker, good for him for his start. I don't think it'll continue, but you know what? It's happening right now. They're playing better, way better baseball. Well, not way better baseball than, than the Phillies, but they're playing better baseball than the Phillies. So, yeah, I, I think that I'll just those, – those are way too many words to say I have the exact same as you. It's just trying to make it a little more interesting. You know, all the Philadelphia fans that are getting on the Zach Eflin bandwagon, they need they need to thank you because you've been driving that bandwagon for a while now. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, man, I, do not sleep on Zach Eflin. He, he has been – he has been I, – I mean, Aaron Nola has, has arguably the best – he probably has a year go – out of out of non no hitter starts this season, you have Degrom, and then you have a, a, a few steps down, and then second would be no. That complete game was freaking awesome. Um, I, I liked uh, Adam Wainwright's complete game last night. Yeah, Adam Wainwright. I mean, we that dude is old as hell, and he made two <laughs> mistakes in that entire game, and he paid dearly for them. But yeah, I think that we should we can talk about that game a little bit because it was fun. I, I, it was not fun. It was actually terrible. It was so stressful, so freaking stressful to watch. It sucked having to watch Odubel Herrera play baseball in, in the in the major leagues again because one, he's not good, and two, he's not really a good person from all accounts. And uh, yeah, so that 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 game was wild but it was a bit of a throwback seeing both of the starters start the ninth inning wheeler gave up a, a walk and then took one for the team which i'm very proud of him for doing and uh kind of let his pride take a back seat and let hector naris uh take a few years off our life um with uh stress and uh arenado thank you thank you for not hitting that ball a little bit harder um, <laughs> that it was deep <laughs> That was about as close of a win as as you as they will come in the MLB. It probably should have been a loss, um, but yeah, yeah, it, it was nice to see two stars go a long way. And, and like you mentioned, um, Adam Wainwright could take the third spot for non no hitter complete game starts performances. There you go. That and should then, be uh, that, that should be a statistics in the mix. That should be a stat. I made a stat right now. Uh, usually they call them shutouts, but Adam Wainwright did not pitch a shutout because Reese Hoskins is simply the hottest player in baseball. And I don't care about you freaking Padres fans out there that aren't listening to this podcast because Reese Hoskins had six home runs this week, and your boy El Nino had five. And you know, we talk about the starting pitching all you want. Uh, I probably shouldn't have brought that up because it definitely goes against my point, but. We, we, we got on this rabbit hole talking about Zach Eflin. I'd just like to bring it back to Zach Eflin, who has been great. He's been great. He's been the most consistent starter for the Phillies, and I love it. I'm, I'm really loving it. I'm, I'm fully on. I was not fully on the hype train. I was cautiously optimistic at the beginning of the season, and now Zach Eflin, I'm 100% behind you and your performances. Keep playing beautiful baseball because it is – 
sorely, sorely needed um, with, with the way that the, the two dudes that pitch behind you with the way they've been pitching. And you heard it here first, folks. Zach Eflin for Cy Young in the National League. <laughs> you know what? Here, you know they should make. They should. I think you know. Right this year, this year, they should make a new award for Jacob Degrom, and then the, and then everybody else could could pitch for the second one, or for they should pitch for the Cy Young. They could give Jacob Degrom the Jacob Degrom Award for uh, best freaking season of all time. Um, <laughs> <laughs>